Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Uh, I guess you indeed, indeed you are listening to Winchester Radio. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Tonight's edition of the podcast is a special one. Uh, We are going to talk about the latest episode of Supernatural called The Bad Seed a little bit later on in the show. Uh, But first thing tonight, um, we have two very special guests, uh, Jim Beaver and Julie McNiven, uh, of course, a very favorite. And there she is. (laughs) Hi, Julie. And uh, uh, both the uh, former and hopefully future possible uh, visitors to the show Supernatural. <laughs> that would be great. And But tonight we're going to talk about their new project called Eternity, which at the moment has an Indiegogo uh, campaign going to get the pilot made, I believe. So uh, mm-hmm. we'd like to talk about the show with you. I'm in the description. I've read uh, all about it here on its uh, site. And it says it's what you get if Scrubs met ER and they went to Comic-Con. And that's very intriguing. And there's many fan uh, favorites <laughs> for the show, not just uh, Jim and Julie. There are others. So um, welcome to you. And Thank let's you. Talk about eternity. Hi, guys. Let's talk about eternity. All right. get involved? Jim, you want to start since you got involved? I'm trying time? to remember. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I got I got involved when uh, Joey Adams, who created the show and uh, um, plays one of the leads, um, reached out to me and uh, gave me a script and asked me if I would uh, read it and tell him if I was interested in the project. I read it. I was interested in the project. I thought it was smart and funny and uh, dramatic and. Um, and it was, uh, seemed like a good character for me. So I said, uh, yeah, if you can get this thing made, this would be something I would be interested in being part of. And, um, now here we are trying to get it made. Well, and I actually got involved, um, about what, maybe two, three weeks ago. Um, I was on Twitter one day and, uh, a fan named Tracy Diane Miller from Talk Nerdy to me. She writes for them. She had just tweeted out, um, hey, Julie would be a great guest star, and I just happened to see it, and I saw that I looked it up and saw that Jim was a part of it, and um, I kind of tweeted back jokingly, like, hell yeah, sure, sounds fun, or something like that, and um, and so now I'm a part of it. <laughs> I mean, I read the script, and it was really good, and, you know, talk to Joey, and um, I guess apparently he even, like, when he was writing it, had me in mind as this character anyway, and for some reason um, never hadn't reached out to me yet, and so it was kind of, you know, uh, Twitter did its job and got me a job. <laughs> now we just Now we just need money to make it. So, yeah, that's where we're at now. And, Can you uh, tell us so about, I, 
Do you want me to give like a brief, a brief like synopsis? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, so um, it centers around um, a character played by Marina Sirtis. I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly. Sirtis. Sirtis. Um, she played um, Commander. Common. What is it? Help me out. Deanna Deanna Troy. Com- Deanna Troy, but Commander yeah. or Com? Yeah, okay, Commander. Um, you got me. I only watch Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> see, I did watch. I did watch my dad watching Star Trek Gen- Next Generation. I didn't really watch it too much unless Wesley was on, and I was like, oh, I kind of like this now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so she's on the show. She plays the main character who is a 50-year-old woman um, coming out of a divorce. She went back to school. Now she's her first year, um, first year med intern. And so um, kind of around her, and then we're at Portland Memorial Hospital, and there's Dr. Nate, who's Joey Adams, and he um, kind of has this way of solving his problems through these daydreams. That's kind of the fantasy sci-fi aspect of the show, which kind of makes the show have it all because we have the comedy and the drama um, and then we have the fantasy which we in the first episode we have a little reunion from um, Star Trek Next Generation with Marina and Michael Dorn who plays Worf Um, and so and Michael Dorn is actually directing the pilot as well Um, so there's so basically Dr. Nate has these um, little daydreams that help him solve his problems. And there will be flashes. The daydreams will consist of all of our favorite past sci-fi and fantasy shows and fun way to have amazing guest stars and kind of keep that anything-can-happen aspect to the show. That's very um, good. And, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I play Dr. Sarah Cohen. I'm also an intern. Um, and I play a character who's a little bit quirky. She's extremely smart and um, kind of probably knows the answer to everything except that she tries to help a little bit too much and ends up causing more problems than, you know, than being helpful. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my little tidbit. And, uh, and Jim's kind of a secret, so, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm an old drunk for something new and different. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm uh, uh, I play a character named Andrew who is uh, one of the few regulars who is not on the medical staff, um, and um, Andrew comes into the hospital as a patient. But um, uh, once he's there, it's discovered that he has um, oh a. a, a um, a sort of mysterious connection to one or more of the staff members. Um, I think we'll leave it at that. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so this really, you know, I Mm -hmm. think, like, um, we want to make this for the fans. I think the fans will love seeing all their favorite um, sci-fi characters back on screen together doing different, you know, little scenes to help us solve the problem of the episode. Um, but we we definitely need your help. Um, I kind of joked on an interview last week, but this is, if this happens, this will be the biggest comeback in Indigo history. <laughs> because <laughs> we have, I think, 
I don't know, 20 days or something left. Mm-hmm. And we something need about like $77,000 to get this made. Um, and we want to make it good. You know, we don't want it to look like we made it in our parents' basement, which yeah. we might end mm-hmm. up having to do that. I don't know. No. <laughs> but, you know, we, we want to make it good for you guys. And um, so if you can help at all, even if it's um, a small amount or if you're retweeting or sharing on Facebook or, you know, whatever you can do, we we appreciate. One of our goals mm-hmm. is to be the first crowdfunded pilot to be sold to a network and uh uh and the um uh the way we're the way we're doing it the way crowdfunding works uh and the great thing about crowdfunding is that it allows people to get involved uh on the ground floor of a show and uh um the 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 people who participate who contribute to this uh will essentially be uh, among our producers because uh, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what producers do is raise money. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, uh, Marina made a, a, a comment recently that I've picked up on, which is that uh, if, um, if all of the Twitter followers of either her or myself just contributed a dollar, uh, mm-hmm. we could make this. Uh, very well. So we're not asking people to uh, uh, mortgage their right home the or uh, yeah. uh, uh, sell their children. Um, I could be tempted at times, but uh, <laughs> uh, but I, uh, uh, you know, it's not. It's the great thing about crowdfunding is it it takes a lot of people, but it doesn't take a lot from each. Yeah, and, and we have some uh, great incentives. Um, we have some. Nice prizes that you guys can take a look at on the Indiegogo page, um, so that you know you you get some immediate uh, res- results because it'll take a little while to have, to get it made. But you'll get you know t-shirts or water bottles or chatting with the cast or you know all sorts of things. If you donate enough money, I will come over and bathe your mother. Wow. Bathe your mother. Okay. okay. My goodness. <laughs> I think there was talk of, you know, a little bit of your your beard being donated as a as a as an incentive. Well, if that's somebody's so idea of a good time. Um <laughs> uh, I got I got plenty of it, so it's um uh, You know, people have all sorts of fetishes. You know, we're not judging. <laughs> if you want some beard hair and you want to give us money, we'll give you some beard hair. Yeah. I say well, we like like I have any part of it. Like I'm like <laughs> I don't have any beard hair for you. Well, careful, they may go for your head hair. You can end up bald here, girl. Well, I do wear <laughs> extensions anyway, so that could I that could be possible. I could send you a lock of my fake hair. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you do with it, but hey, oh. if it's you know, whatever. <laughs> have one, well one if, it, if it's the right color with. I might take it. <laughs> One previously used west of Julie McNiven's hair. Yes. Uh, well, it's all falling out. I had a baby last year, and all my hair is falling out. So the extensions yeah, are all I, I have at this point. I had a I had a baby 14 years ago, and all mine's falling out too. So I know. So it never stops, huh? Jeez. It, sadly, it it never does. It never does. <laughs> 
Eternity actually tweeted us a question, and they want to know who you you guys would like to see working with you as guest stars on Eternity. Oh, well, I was chatting with Joey recently, and he said uh, he brought up Misha Collins as a possible crazy ex-boyfriend of mine. And I thought that would be really great. I think Misha would wait, would make a wonderful crazy ex-boyfriend. So, you know, <laughs> that could work. But in the fantasy thing, work. you know, I mean, it, so perhaps, and I nothing is in my head, if he was in an episode playing my crazy ex-boyfriend, that episode we could do with Supernatural Flash. You know, a fan, like, mm-hmm. you know, Jim mm-hmm. playing Bobby and playing Anna and Cass coming in. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely those possibilities. And um, I had talked about wanting to cosplay um, Amy Pond for Doctor Who. So mm. that would be really fun. Although I have to work on my Scottish accent, which is really bad right now. So, okay. <laughs> and then what about you, Jim? Um, I'm trying to remember shows. Um, <laughs> I... Um, uh, most most of most of my favorite actors are dead, so um, uh, it may be a little difficult to get them to show up. Um, yeah, well, you know, we have a, a lot of supernatural people involved, so we could come up with something, that's true. some sort of spell. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but um, um, no, I think I I certainly think this is the kind of show that uh, uh, Rufus ought to show up on. Um, oh yes, yes, I love that. that would be awesome. Yeah, get him on there and see if we can't fix that knife wound I gave him. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, poor Stephen. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he really hated Steve Williams. I love yeah. Stephen Williams. He's great. He's so mm. cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I you know I think the world that this show is going to take advantage of the the, uh, uh, the Comic Con spirit is uh, yes. It's a little outside my range, uh, uh, but but this uh, is where the fans come into play too. Like yeah. you know, they can tweet and uh, our like eternity TV show. They can tweet us and say we want to see you know a Firefly daydream. We want to see. Right. You know, whatever your vampire diaries, whatever you love, um, you know, we'll take those. I think that's also part of this crowdfunding thing is, too, it's not once you give us your money, it's not like, well, there, there's no more communication. Um, I think yeah. your ideas will be taken into to, to play when, when the future episodes are written, and I think that's part of the fun of, of keeping it like you fact, all are producers. The fact of the matter is that it's it's not so important what characters we might like to see. Uh, yeah. This is this is supposed to be not only a crowd-funded project, but a crowd-pleasing project. Exactly. And, uh, uh, and it's the kind of thing that uh, we would be most interested in knowing who the uh, the audience for the show would be interested in seeing. So. Yeah. Um, so, ladies, what do you? Who would you want to see on the show? What flashes? What daydreams? Well, I lo- I love the idea of the Castiel Anna reunion, the Bobby and Rufus reunion. Those are awesome. And I mm. love that you mentioned Amy Pond, Doctor Who. That would be fantastic. That's another yeah. one of my favorites. 
So you guys got some great. You're 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 going right into the stuff I like. So you're awesome. you're done right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A Firefly thing would be really cool. Um, yeah. Gosh, I love that show. So gosh, anybody, anybody, Nathan Fillion, Anna, um, Alan Tudyk, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Baldwin, uh, Jewel State, and anybody. I, I love that show. So that would be really yeah. cool to. Even like Christina Hendricks was on that, and Christina Hendricks and I worked together on Mad Men, so there could be like a a Firefly crossover with. I mean, we can do whatever we want in those daydreams. Yeah, it could be a 1960s Mad Men Firefly show. I mean, really, you could do anything. Oh, that! Oh, that that would be. You know, (laughs) kind of make it a little interesting. (laughs) Jewel, Jewel State did an episode of Supernatural, so. Yeah. Well. There you go. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could get Tim Rhodes on, and we could, and and mm-hmm. Bobby and mm-hmm. Sheriff Mills could finish what they started. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. It doesn't seem to be that happening be on Supernatural, so maybe this is our oh, alternative. No, but they'll they'll bring you back. Is, they'll bring Kim you is, back from wherever you are. Yeah. Kim was at Kim was at a, at the convention in Chicago right now. She was asked about. Uh, Bobby and Sheriff Mills yesterday, and she says she still ships it. So you still got a chance. <laughs> Get in there. Well, well, I'm hanging you know, in there. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just got to borrow the the car. Apparently, yeah. that's how you have scenes like that. You just borrow the car, go for a drive. Mm-hmm. Finish what you started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dilly, you you know all about the car and Dean scenes. We remember that episode. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So. So, um, do you guys have any other questions about the show? Did we cover? I can't think of anything we left out. I, I'll think of it when we hang up. But, uh, right, of course. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of anything offhand that uh, that we didn't so, mention other than, are you, you know. Are you guys going to? Are you going to put up the info for the show? Because I, I don't remember it offhand. The mm-hmm. Indiegogo info We've got on the it, website yes. or something? Yep, oh, perfect. We've got mm-hmm. it linked. We've got it linked on our website and on the Blog Talk Radio webpage, and we've also Great. been tweeting tweeting it. I especially really love that video, Jim, that you put together, Free Jim Beaver, Time to the Chair. That was fun. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of being tied up, so uh, you guys, you know, really need to, to, to yeah. help us out here. He's, he's uh, really tied up until that money comes in. So yeah, sorry, yes. my, my my foot itches. So yeah, uh, sorry. I need, uh, yeah. I hope you're getting snacks. <laughs> Someone's bringing you snacks. Um, this is how he diets. It's just like you yeah. know, he gets tied up and left in the garage for twenty days. I guess. Story of my life. <laughs> Um, I'll uh, just I'll just let everybody know Eternity's Twitter name. So if they 
follow Bowen, uh, follow Eternity on Twitter. Yes, please. Their, their page would have um, the Indiegogo link directly. And you also follow them for all their updates and news. And they're they're a lot of fun on Twitter, actually. Huh? And it's at Eternity TV Show, and that's Eternity with an I, like intern, medical intern, I T Y TV Show. And if you follow them on Twitter. It will take you to um, all the other links and news and updates, and you can, I'm sure you can ask questions. They're very active. Yes, and ask questions. Tell us wh- who you want to see on the show. Yeah, we're you know we're very active on Twitter, and we will listen. So, so yeah, Absolutely. come on and chat with us. Can we ask um, you guys natural questions before you go? Sure. Okay. First I'm tied all, up um, in the garage. Might as well. Yeah, yeah, you've got you've got no, you've got no place to go. Jim, <laughs> uh, it was so awesome seeing you back last season. It was probably my favorite episode of the whole season. And um, can you tell us about what it was like coming back, and especially that ending because it looked like Bobby was in trouble. So we're hoping that means we'll get to see you again this year. Yeah, well, I, um, you know, I had a great time going back. I always, I always love it when they find an excuse to bring me back. Um, uh, it was, it was fun doing the episode, although I was disappointed not to have any, uh, actual scenes with Jared and Jensen. Um, I actually only saw them in passing, uh, but, um, I got to work with Misha a little bit and, and it was, you know, it was a fun episode and, uh, um, it was first time I, um, first time I met Curtis Armstrong too. So, uh, um, you know, there's a there's there's a, a perception that we we do these things and we all know each other, and uh, and yet um, that was the first time I ever ever met him. And uh, sweet guy, I enjoyed working with him, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I just you know, uh, yeah, Bobby was Bobby looked like he was in kind of uh, difficult straits at the uh, at the end. I asked uh, Jeremy Carver a couple of weeks ago. You know what the deal was with uh, with the angels coming in, looking stern and angry at Bobby. And uh, I said, "Do you know if there's an adventure there?" And he said, "He said, well, I think Bobby probably got spanked. Uh, I'm not sure if he meant that literally or not, but uh, uh, well, maybe. Yeah. So um, uh, you know, it's one area the show hasn't really investigated angel spanking." Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, but now that I put it out there, there in the heaven, cosmos, so it could be up there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I don't know. You know, I don't know if uh, I don't know if we'll ever find that out. That's uh, that's up to Jeremy and Bob and the writers. So, um, I've got my fingers crossed that they'll uh, they'll figure some reason uh, to bring the old boozer back. And and actually, Jim, probably even if you knew you were coming back next week, you wouldn't tell us, right? Because it's a spoiler. And, well, even if I was coming like, back next week, I would really want to still come back next week. So uh, <laughs> uh, since since more and more on lots of shows, uh, they're getting very very secretive, uh, more so than just two or three years ago. I had a I had an offer for a show a few months ago, and they said, we want you to do the show, but if you tell anybody, we 
don't want you to do the show. Um, <laughs> oh. I thought, well, that's pretty wow. weird. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I play my cards pretty close to the vest, but, uh, um, I'm sure if they ask me back, there'll be a certain amount of, um, excitement in my aura and people might pick up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you suddenly announce that you're going to make the sequel to the Abominable Snowman movie, maybe, maybe we'll get a clue. Abominable 2. The Return of Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that was fun, but I I think I may I think you can only go to that well once. Uh, Pretty much. I'm not sure. I think if I announced I was doing a sequel to the Abominable Snowman movie, people would be on to me real quick. No, uh, way. you really yeah. were. You, you yeah. were really making one. You know, then you have to follow through and like make a sequel to a bad movie. Yeah. Well. <laughs> You know, uh, um, <laughs> you guys are giving me ideas here. Um, well, I'll, um, uh, I haven't packed my mucklucks yet, so um, All right. who knows. And, uh, Julie, I always um, wanted to know, Anna started out as such a, you know, she was a great, really good character and one of the few good angels that we had on the show. And then she yeah. just kind of went off the rails a bit there towards the end. <laughs> uh, what, what did you think about the big character change there? Um, well, I don't think, I think a lot of people in the past have said, you know, I liked you until you went bad. And I, I really, you know, obviously when you're an actor and you play a character, you can't judge your character that way. That's just, that's not going to serve your experience in the role. Um, so for me, I never saw her as, even though she did kill Sam, you know, for like two minutes, relax, she came back to life. I, (laughs) I, um, I always saw her as she had this goal that she needed to, you know, she needed to save the world and she needed to do what she needed to do to make that happen. Now the boys do this all the time. They do whatever's necessary to save the world. And sometimes it involves killing people. And, you know, I think for her, she saw this as the, the, the best way to ensure that uh, the world would be safe. So, you know, off the rail, I mean, her actions, you know, for, for the boys, she, she was always somewhat close to them. And then all of a sudden to try to kill them, then, you know, that could be seen as a little off the rail. But I, I always saw her as someone who was focused and driven and strong and powerful and will do whatever is necessary to get the job done. Um, Maybe it was just a mood swing. I, I, <laughs> you know, may, maybe she is, yeah, she's a little moody, that one. <laughs> <laughs> one, of but, my, um, one of my one of my all-time favorite scenes is when um, you kill Uriel. I just yes. love that scene. The way you just whisper like kind of evilly in his mm-hmm. ear and I just I really always love that scene. Yeah, no, that was one of my favorites too. I mean, like I think, you know, she definitely like once um Cass threw her up in, in Angel Jail, um, as I think we called it. I don't know. Angel Jail? Sure. Um I think she definitely has some anger towards him. And, you know, if she ever did come back, 
I think she would need to resolve those feelings since she's literally been a pile of ash for about seven years. Um, she might be a little pissed about that. So, you know, I think I think uh, season four, she was saving Cass's life, and so I think some relationships have been ruined. Right, basically, she she saved Cass, and then Cass burst her in jail, and then she tries to kill Sam. So there's a lot of damage that has has been done. So if killing people has back, ruined a lot of relationships. It, it really it has. <laughs> yeah, it's so definite, except on Supernatural. So yeah. <laughs> Yes. So yeah. Uh, I, sorry, go ahead. Lizette, Lizette on Twitter wants to know how has being in Supernatural changed your life? Oh. Well, um, they asked us to talk on the radio. Yeah, I've never <laughs> been asked that before. <laughs> I mean, we get to travel the world and meet this amazing fandom community that I didn't even know existed. Um, that is just really the most incredible group of people. Um, so, I mean, that alone is has just been amazing. Yeah, it's um, it's unlike any show I've ever been part of. It, it the 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 opportunities to um, to meet the people who watch the show is pretty unusual for television. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, in any kind of large sense. Sure, anybody on a show can bump into a fan on the street, but we get to go places and meet, you know, uh, 1,500 fans at once, and uh, we're treated so beautifully, so graciously, so mm-hmm. lovingly by the fans. It's um, it's such uh, an emotionally rewarding thing, and and we have we have a great deal of fun. I think all of us do. Uh, yeah, uh, hang, hanging out with hanging out with the fans, that's been uh, that's been probably the the, the biggest effect. Uh, I mean, besides being able to for, pay the mortgage, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I, I will need uh, to be brought back for the mortgage payment. <laughs> you guys have to bring me back <laughs> on for a couple more episodes so so I can uh, yeah. do that. <laughs> well, I, uh, as far as supernatural supernatural goes, I'm getting a little behind myself, so. Uh, um, but it's it really is uh, a world widening experience. Um, I have uh, uh, I have so many friends and and dear acquaintances that came to me because I was on Supernatural, and uh, I've done uh, you know hundreds of TV shows, and that hasn't happened with any of them. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very uh, special. Uh, a group of people who who follow this show and uh, and they're very they're very special to us and and I'm I'm really grateful for for the experience. Yeah, me too. I I was saying recently that the second you walk on set, you're welcomed into the supernatural family, and that includes all of the fans. Um, yeah. And I've never experienced that on any other show. Um, you know. Say you're only there shooting one day, two days. Um, on most other shows, you kind of just come and go, and you maybe you have a great time, but it doesn't have that lasting sense of community and family. And um, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. We love you guys. <laughs> well, we love you guys thank too. You. We love you. We love you too. <laughs> 
We've always said once you're in the supernatural family, you never get out. You're there to stay. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's the Hotel California. Yeah, I've, I've been <laughs> in some other families like leave. that too, but. Uh, <laughs> um. Um. Yeah, dead air. <laughs> I, 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 I just not, wanted to mention Crimson Peak. You're, Jim, you're in Crimson Peak. I, I haven't gotten to go see it yet, but that's what I've heard. I've seen you in the preview. Oh. So. <laughs> well, I think you should all go see it. It's, um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm really proud of it. It's, uh, uh, the, the advertising has been a little misleading. It's not, it's not a uh, shock a minute. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you, you never relax for a second kind of movie. Uh, it's uh, it's a gothic romance with ghosts, and it's um, it's it's beautiful. It's it's probably the most beautiful movie movie I've ever had anything to do with. And uh, and then you know it's got that Hiddleston guy and uh, <laughs> uh, Charlie Hunnam and Jessica Chastain and Mia Wasikowska. And I'm, and it's, uh, what's his name, Guillermo del Toro? Yeah, yeah, that's his name. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's awesome. One of, the, one of the world's great directors, uh, one of the world's great cinema visionaries, and uh, um, and I'm just, I'm stunned that I got to be part of it. So go see it. I have been dying to see it ever, you know, since you were... You would tweet at Facebook when you were filming it, so it made me really excited then. And I'm I'm just I'm just waiting for time off so I can go to the theater and see it. <laughs> I had my my friend went to see it and loved it and described it to me as a very proper old school gothic romance, not a ghost story, but a story with ghosts in it. Yeah. He said that hmm. was in the movie, and he loved it. Yeah, he thought it was amazing. So definitely, I think it's. Well, I, like I say, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. I've, I've, uh, I've seen it three times uh, so far, and uh, my daughter tells me that uh, uh, I was better the second time. Uh, <laughs> your performance, your performance, you learned the first time, and then you got yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah. I, I got better the second night she saw it, and. Um, uh, <laughs> I tried to explain certain realities of the film business to her, but she wasn't having any. <laughs> uh, a question from Twitter, Harley's One Mom. She wants to know, what is it that you're drinking on Supernatural when you're supposed to be drinking alcohol? What is it you're actually drinking? It's, it's funny. I was watching um, uh, the episode, uh, um, uh, My Heart Will Go On today with my daughter. She had never seen it. And she asked me the same question. Um, I, I, it probably depends on which one of us is doing the drinking. Um, if it, for me, it's it's usually um, Dr Pepper or watered down Dr Pepper. Uh, uh, definitely in a in a coffee cup it is. And if I'm drinking booze, it's uh, it's probably watered down soda of some kind. Uh, some of the guys. Uh, prefer watered down tea, um, but it's um, it's as far as I know, it's never the real thing. Or we would never get the show made. 
And another question from Twitter, uh, Claudia underscore 98, wants to know if there's anything about your characters on Supernatural that you would like to have changed. Well, yeah. Yeah, Stein. Stein. I mean, you know, like when I got my, when I got the script for the, the last episode I was in, I said I died at the end, but then each newer version that came out, like they give you different updated versions of the script as you're, you know, getting closer to shooting, and then while you're on set, you're continuously getting updates. And like every single update, my death got more horrible. <laughs> it was like, it was like first, you know, she just died. Then it was like she turned into, she got put on fire. And then it was like she got put on fire and like crumbled to the ground into ash. I was like, really? Like, every single time I read the script, it was the more horrible death. So that's the one thing I would definitely change because I want to I wanna be on the show more. I mean, why wouldn't I? It's a blast. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm sure there's lots that the writers could come up with for, you know, all of the vengeance she probably has now. Uh, something could happen. So, yeah, death. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, dying is my least favorite part of the show. Um <laughs> <laughs> I uh, even even with the the supernatural element that allows the potential for you to come back, uh, it creates an uncertainty. That um, um, I mean, I've been really fortunate to do other things that I wouldn't have been able to do if uh, what happened to Bobby hadn't happened. But on the other hand, I, I've missed a lot of uh, really great times on the show, and. Um, uh, other than that, I can't think of anything I would change about the character or the the approach to it. Um, uh, I kind of, I just kind of yearn for the old days when uh, uh, when it was the boys and Cass and and Bobby all working together trying to figure things out. But um, you know, uh, things change. Life moves on. Yeah, unfortunately. I just hope life comes back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. My husband, he he's always says to me that is the biggest mistake Supernatural made was killing off father. You are my husband. You are my husband and my favorite character. But that's the one thing my husband still says every time he catches me watching Supernatural. Did they bring Bobby back yet? And I'm like, no, he's still dead. Oh. <laughs> well, day, I'm flattered. Maybe. I'm flattered. I, I I wish some guys over at uh, Warner Brothers felt that way. Uh, oh, we do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think they still love the character. I just I think that uh, uh, they they made a decision and and to a certain extent have to live with it at least for a while. But I think it's been long enough. They could they could go. You know. Um, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Crowley just pushed the reset button, and uh, you know they they did it in in my heart will go on. So you know, right. I mm-hmm. think it's I think it's perfectly timely to do it again. <laughs> I think so too, and uh, and especially and I when it happened a couple years ago, um, there was a Crowley's son was brought back from before he died, and they didn't send him back to where he did die. And they specifically mentioned it in the episode that that could change history because now somebody's uh-huh. alive that was supposed to be dead a few hundred years ago. And uh-huh. so I'm like, I'm like, see here, Bobby could come back now. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm waiting but, for that. You know, <laughs> when, when the boys burned Bobby's flask, uh, I know there was a certain permanence intended there, but it, I always, I took note at the time we were shooting it that, hey, you didn't burn the leather case. Um, ah. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact is, uh, these guys make this show up as they go. And, uh, they can make up anything they want. So, uh, <laughs> That's uh, true. And um, in the meantime, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying life doing other things. So um, uh, whatever happens, uh, I'll be I'll be pretty happy one way or the other. But I do miss the show. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we miss you, too. We miss you, uh, too. We miss Julie, thank too. Thank you. <laughs> um, um, Julie and I almost got to work together earlier this year. We were I know. I was really I disappointed that I was thing too, that fell apart. Yeah. We had yeah. some some issues on the production side, I guess. But, uh, yeah, and Kim was in it, too. Kim Rose. That's we right. Was, it was going to be like a, you know, supernatural trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> and Amy and, Dominic and, also was in it. I mean, this And is Guy B fun. was going to direct it. And Guy, uh, yeah. So, uh, I remember you know. seeing tweets about that. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think right now it's been put on the back burner so they can, uh, you know, figure out whatever they need to figure out on the other side. Um, but I know Guy was, you know, had his heart set on directing this. So yeah, hopefully um, at some point I'm we can do it. it. I'm up for it if it ever comes back to life. So uh, I know. Well, maybe, you know it's crazy. Maybe we'll still get to do it. <laughs> That was the mm-hmm. the week we started filming, or we, we were supposed to start filming that. My son was, I think, six weeks old or something. I mean, that was crazy. What was I thinking? That was, like, his <laughs> six-week growth spurt, and I was nursing him, like, every hour for five days straight, day through night. Like, I was a complete zombie, and I was like, how was I supposed to be shooting a film right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, you know, that... That would have been extremely challenging, but I was totally up for it. It was a lot of fun. The script was great. Yeah. So. One day. One day. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie, I, I really enjoyed you on, on like, Kauai Five O, and I really liked your character on the night shift. The night shift? Did I, I yeah, had to see you again on there. That was a great um, character. That was, yeah, actually, I'm still crossing my fingers on that. They don't start shooting till. February again for season three and um, they definitely left it hanging like I know there there were mm-hmm. some um, I played a, a character who you know had a little crush on uh, Robert or Dr. Uh, Cummings and um, so yeah hopefully I come back I don't know I mean right now he's all up in the air with his hand surgery and all that drama so I keep joking. I'm like, hopefully my son gets sick again so that we have to go see him at the hospital. Like, that's, that's right. horrible. But, you know, well, well, that's you why you have to come back on a show you're, like that. So, Your your son's <laughs> character, the, the character of your son on the show, was definitely sickly. So <laughs> the odds are very exactly. good. Exactly. You, you will show up at the Right. ER we have, our chances are high. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that would be a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have any more questions for these awesome people? Yeah. Dead air again. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, 
I guess we could remind everybody to follow at Internity TV Show on Twitter and the Indiegogo page is indiegogo.com slash project slash Internity a newbie series. So check it out. Go yes. donate. Oh, we want to see uh, the Castiel Anna reunion and the Bobby Rufus yes. reunion. We, we want to yeah. see this. <laughs> Let's and do it. And Firefly mashup. Let's do I it. know. I mean, I, that's kind of brilliant. Can I just say that would be like a brilliant daydream? <laughs> yeah, oh, it would be so cool. Those two worlds. Would be great. Yeah, and there's about three weeks left, so there's plenty of time. And you know, if everybody on Julie and Jim's followers and our followers just gave a dollar, this this show would be. But feel free to give two or three if you can. Or two dollars or three. Yeah. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> We're cutting it close here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> But thank you so much well, for having us on. Oh, very, thank you. Very, very grateful. It's oh, always anytime. fun to talk to you guys. Thank you. Oh, we love talking to you, too. We love talking to you, too. And, Julie, thanks for coming. First visit and hopefully not the last. I that know. I know. I'd love to come back. Well, you guys are Sorry. welcome anytime, anytime. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. Um, well, thank you. My son, my son is crying. So I'm going to go. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, um, okay. but thank you so very much for having us. And, yeah, I look forward to talking to you guys again. And hopefully we can get this show made and make some awesome reunions happen. We will, we will promote it as much as we can. Thank you so much, Thanks, ladies. Guys. All right. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye, guys. So, yes, everybody listening, go help them out. How cool would it be to see the reunions that they were talking about? And it just sounds like a really fun show. It's such a fan-focused show, which is and not only are the actors have been on many of fan-favorite shows, but they want to actually incorporate fan-favorite things to do, like, like uh, uh, all these flashbacks and all these daydreams and all these other shows that you enjoy and – it's it's like it sounds so daunting. I mean, it's like I mean you got to have a big goal for sure. But it's like wow, that's a lot. But I would love to see any one of them. The Mad Men Firefly thing with Julie and Christina Hendricks. That would be so cool. That would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Bobby and Rufus. That would be great. Oh, I know. I about cried when he said that. So yes, I want Bobby and Rufus back. <laughs> I know. Even even in a daydream, <laughs> that would be so neat. And and I think Misha would make a, a very good like ex what ex crazy boyfriend, yeah, bad boyfriend. <laughs> Especially she considering you know that the relationship that um, Cassie and Anna had on on Supernatural, you know, had, there was a lot of chemistry between them. So I would love to see that on the on mm-hmm. you know them playing them playing those type of characters together. That would be great. Yes. Okay. Well, that was a lot of fun, and uh, it was great to have both Julie and Jim on in the show, Eternity, but we have an episode to talk about as well, this week's episode of Supernatural called The Bad Seed. Uh, It was written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming, and it was um, directed by Jensen, and it's at least his fourth directing right? At least fourth, maybe fifth um, episode. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was weekend at Bobby's was his first one. That was season six, wasn't it? So this would be his fifth. Well, no, there was one year he skipped. Right? There was yeah. one year he skipped. He skipped yeah, eight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, he 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 does a good job. <laughs> the the one thing the one thing about this episode that I that made me wonder a, a directing choice, and I imagine it was in the script, but he is the director, so I would imagine he had a little bit of say into it. Uh, he let Dean get thrown around again, <laughs> like thrown into a wall again. I'm like, really? You were the director? You could have said, you know, guys, let's not throw me into a wall <laughs> this time. Um, but I guess not. <laughs> so, you just got thrown in well, a wall when, last when you're not so poor Dean. being thrown. Yeah, when you're not technically being the one being thrown, I guess you're like, eh, I don't, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the my favorite part of the episode was anything Rowena was in. That was my favorite part. Because <laughs> she, I just <laughs> love her so much. And her... Her being so excited about Mega Coven, I, I just thought that was adorable. I, and I just. <laughs> it was funny, and it just kept reminding me of the mean girl saying, stop, stop making fetch, try to, you know, stop yeah. trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> it's like, stop trying to make Mega Coven happen. It's not. <laughs> you know, she's, she's so excited. Yeah, I gotta be, yes. It's not she's wonderful. It's Mega. Yes, yeah, so just like she's mega COVID. She kept trying. She just would not give up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she was wonderful in this. She's always great. And she's just gorgeous. You know, still got the most beautiful makeup and hair and outfits going. I just, just loved it. And she just makes Sam and Dean crazy. Her her riding in the Impala in the back seat and, and annoying them to death, you know, about everything was making me laugh. Like, just can we have a little sing-song? You know, they're like, no. <laughs> no sense of humor about it whatsoever. Well, I loved her being really indignant and being like, I'm not running in heels. Are you crazy? Because I feel you. <laughs> in there. It's not fun. never heels. fun. It's never fun, but yeah. Her her line deliveries are great because it's not easy to play a joke that's supposed to bomb, you know. So mm-hmm. the me- the mega coven thing is not supposed you're not supposed to be on board with her. You're supposed to think, oh god, no. So <laughs> I thought she did a great job with that. And I think my favorite my favorite line reading I think in the whole episode was when. Um, she was telling the two witches in the Cafe Alta um, that she would share things from the Book of the Damned with them. And she said, yes, I've always been a giver. And the look on her face when she says it and everything is so sincere, you know. I just loved it so much. Yes. <laughs> Although my favorite line delivery in the episode actually has to go to Castiel. I really liked his delivery to Sam uh, when Sam called his car crappy. You really think it's oh, I love that too. Yeah. So that's actually my favorite line delivery in the episode. But that's, their friendship is so amusing to me. I enjoy it so much. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because the last, the last time I, that car. Yeah, 
The last time I really liked a line delivery by Cass was it, it was a, it was also between Sam and Cass and uh, in first board when you have a guinea pig where yes uh, so yes I like whatever he's so like just what no um, but uh, he was so excited about a possible guinea pig in the bunker <laughs> it was adorable. And I'm glad because it did take up a whole lot of the episode. I really enjoyed uh, Little Girl Mara. Um, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sad to see her go because Grayson was a fantastic uh, actress. She's mm-hmm. really, really good at Amara. You know, mm-hmm. there, you know, there's nothing creepier than a, than a stoic child. Uh, so, and, yeah. And she yeah, kept saying, I'm she hungry. Great. And she was scary. I'm hungry. You know. If they keep if they keep going because they're it's really interesting what they're doing with the darkness where she just seems to think that the concept of good and evil are both just so pointless and annoying to her that labels mm-hmm. are just stupid and even though she is technically evil she doesn't you know like I said last time it's very much the idea of everybody is the hero of their own story. So she doesn't think she's mm. technically evil. She just thinks she's, you know, understands the pecking order. And, so. you know, like when she, you know, when Crowley, she actually asked Crowley, so you want the world to be completely evil? You know, because, you know, she was like, that's just, you know, she didn't think that was right. And, and it made him realize, yeah, you know, that would be a bit boring, you know. And Which all I could think mm-hmm. about was, was Spike when uh, in season two of Buffy when yeah. uh, he wants to help her against Angelus because he's like, yeah, the world he wants is, sounds really boring. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all I could think about was, and cause especially though Crowley's reaction was like, you know, come to think of it, no, I don't want that. That's easy. That's boring. No, thank you. Mm. And she was so mad at God. You know. Yep. Which again, like I <laughs> said, as far as she's concerned, yeah. As far as she's concerned, God is the bad guy who tricked her. Yes. So. And even even Cass is like cranky, cranky about God. And he says, you know, I I say, you know, he's off sipping a mai tai somewhere, <laughs> according to Dean. And Cass like he's no help at all. So you know, that no no one on either side of of good and evil is particularly thrilled with God at the moment and I wonder well, if that and, means we'll and, actually hear from God this season because he's being... Well, narratively speaking, not necessarily because the last time, and it was the same writers actually, um, back in season nine, we had Cass tell the woman in the church that God wasn't listening anymore. Right. Right. It was one of, one of my favorite uh, monologues of the latter yeah. season. I love that scene. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. And it is the same. It was. It was also uh, Eugenia Rossland and Brad Buckner who wrote that episode. So, because I do think that in terms of like, especially monologues, I think they have. Uh, a, I, I tend to prefer the way they write monologues to almost anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to have you're a little a, more emotion to them. You're you're a definite 
supporter of of them. You you like their work usually more. You like it more I than like, I do. Yeah, I, think I perhaps like. Becky, it. So did this episode? Did this episode like just clarify with your hold opinion? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I do have this argument with a lot of people all the time. To clarify, <laughs> I like the way they write things. I don't necessarily like what they write. I like the ver- and it's so it's kind of the reverse of my complaints about the previous two episodes where I was like, no, I don't like the way that line was written. One word of difference would have made the line better. It's that's the difference. So while I don't mm-hmm. think they do action very well and I don't think that they progress the story very well, I also don't think that's their place in the pecking order. I think if you look through all their episodes, their their job is to set up what other things have to do. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's neither here nor there, but for me, it's that I prefer the way they write specifically monologues, um, dialogue as well, but specifically monologues that they give their char- give the characters. I think they have a better grasp of emotion than most writers. And maybe it's because it's a writing team that you can kind of maybe talk mm-hmm. things out and, and actually like bounce it off of somebody and make somebody say it to you while you're writing. I don't know if that's it or it's just that one of them is better at doing that versus the other one's better at like outlining. I don't know. I've, I've never sat with them and, and written. Um, but, yeah, in terms of like order of current writers and how much I like their episodes, they're in the top half versus the bottom half. Everyone knows who my bottom half is continue on. Um, yeah, I mean, now that you say it, I mean, like, I didn't I didn't dislike this episode. I didn't love it, but you're right. It was sort of like they're there to kind of get the key things moving along and make some decisions, but it wasn't like a huge episode. It was just, it was there for me. There I were like, many points yeah, in I feel it like I they liked, are always but I... I feel like they're always tasked with exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. I probably have. But um, a friend of mine, uh, I had noticed something last year. She she set out to disprove me and it turned out I was right. But I always said if you lift their episodes out of the canon, for the most part, except I think, if you take, I think there's one that doesn't fit this. I can't remember what it is. Their episodes alone tell a story all on their own. Mm-hmm. So, all again, for together. me, right, like it tells its own story and it's very linear. It's very linear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that they kind of have a better grasp of continuity than everybody else. But I think what everybody else writes around them messes up continuity because they are the exposition writers. So I feel like what everybody blames them for is actually the fault of everybody else who's not paying attention. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion, and I know like 99% of fandom will fight me on that, but that's okay, because <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, well, this, well, one big thing that happened in this episode is that Cass is no longer under the attack dog curse, Sam and Dean did fine for Alina and got her to take it off of Cass um, after Cass stirred up a bit, escaped and stirred up enough trouble and was 
chasing some poor innocent but person around. But did he really, until... like, in reality, he did nothing. It's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. The first episode, was, it's implied he killed the dog. But in reality, he did nothing. It's absolutely preposterous that we spent three episodes on him being cursed and he did nothing. But, the, like, the, Well, they spent three episodes trying not to act on the curse. I mean, he did keep saying, I'm fighting it, I'm I'm fighting it. I mean, uh, he just oh. all around. He beat up me. utterly boring. All three episodes of it were utterly boring. <laughs> the, yeah, the I cast, mean, I thought it wasn't, like, my favorite thing, but anyway. The cast, uh, the cast dog spell thing to me was so pointless. I mean, it, it was bringing back the Campbells. I mean, it's just pointless. There was no mm. reason for it to have been. There was, in, in my opinion, there was no reason for it to have extended through three episodes. You know, as a, as a way for Rowena to escape, as a way for Rowena to escape in the season ten finale. Sure, that's fine. But there was no reason for it to extend through three episodes, and yeah, it's just point. Yeah, it was just pointless to me. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely boring. And you know what? This 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 bugged me. This bugged me. Um, I don't know. Um, so so, Cassie's Dean up up again. Dean up again. And at the end, Dean is putting ice packs on his face, and Cass feels bad, and he goes to heal him, and Dean won't let him because apparently Dean feels bad, of course, because that's Dean, King of Guilt, that uh, um, he, as, as as Demon Dean, beat up Cass. And I'm like, no, Dean before that, and then Dean beat up Cass. How they were he, even. Yeah. I don't call it beat up. I Actually, it's not even even. even. It's not even even. Cassie's has beat up no, Cass beat up more than several times. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I was I was bugged that that um, Dean didn't let him heal him because I'm sorry, except you know Dean is the king of guilt, and, and of course you know it's okay if you beat me up. I but I don't mind I'll, that. I'll yeah, I don't mind that Dean didn't let him heal him, but the but Dean saying I had it coming was yeah. It's the, it, here's yeah. my problem with the show in general, and I'm not like I go back to where I'm not going to blame. Just this writing, this just this writing team for this because it's a ongoing issue in the narrative. Is that I feel like in order, I feel like every time Cass does something really, really wrong, it's very hand waved. Like, oh yeah, but it's it's okay because it's Cass and he said sorry versus Dean having to always carry around the guilt, every mm-hmm. little thing he does, and Sam still being the bad guy constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you have, I'm not even going to cite specifics because I'll be here all day, but I think it's a problem in terms of the writing that you hand wave what one character does to the detriment of your two protagonists. Mm-hmm. In order to not have to deal with writing that third character correctly, so mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but I think it's a detriment to all three characters when you do that because it's completely yeah. unrealistic and it makes no narrative sense to me. So I understand mm-hmm. Dean saying, 
don't heal me because it is also really cheap that Cass is constantly healing him and Sam. It's really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that having Dean say that and not having Cass, having Dean say it to begin with, I can mm-hmm. miss it because I didn't like it, but, you know, for Dean's character, I get it. But for Cass to accept it, like, no, oh, all right, preposterous. And for Sam to let Cass accept it and let Dean say it, also preposterous. Yeah, I did. I did not like. I did not like all of that. It just it bothered me because for all of those reasons. I mean, and you're right. I mean, Cass overall, he gets he's like the Teflon angel. You know, things just just slide off him. Yeah, for for many things, and then he tries to take on guilt, but everybody else like lets him get away with it, and and. You know, he's done stuff that they don't even know about yet. That goes way back to um, mm-hmm. letting way back. Sam out of the panic room. Letting Sam out of the panic room. Yes. And, and going yeah, back no. to wanting to kill Sam and threatening to kill Dean. Get, get out of here. But I mean, and again, on some level, I do understand it because they have to make sure that the general audience, because as we discussed, the general audience is not fandom. They have to make sure that the general audience isn't going, get rid of this dude. Because he has a contract, so they can't do that. However, mm-hmm. I think there's a better way to do it than to just be like, oh, yeah, no, he can do no wrong. He's Because he's cast, duh. And you even have Sam literally say that to Dean two seasons ago when Dean is pissed off at cast and Sam says, yeah, but he's cast. I'm sorry, No. But, again, I just feel like it's, in general, all the writers have a very hard time making Cass and Crowley to a degree, although they've kind of done better this so far with Crowley this season. But they have a very hard time seeing, trying to justify why the characters still exist because, theoretically, they shouldn't. So they have to keep contriving it, and it's not really... And I think there are better ways to do it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying there's better ways than to make him basically infallible. Because infallible is boring on top of that. Um, But, yes, I saw a lot, you know, basically everybody has their favorites. I saw a lot of, like, people who are predominantly Dean fans um, really push back against that scene. And rightly so. I think mm-hmm. that if someone who kind of goes 50-50 on Sam and Dean, and sometimes it's 49-51, you know, and it vacillates between which one's at 51. But um, I saw a lot of mm-hmm. people who are predominantly Dean fans really push back against that scene, and I completely agree with their pushback on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did not like it. Did not. Um, Look at my notes. Um, I... One thing that was uh, I thought was a well-written point was that Rowena was very smart to not have both books together because sometimes characters don't mm-hmm. always make those smart decisions. And she's like, you know, it's like, you know, what, what do you take me for? Of course I don't have both the Book of the Dance and the Codex in the same place. And I thought, good, that was, that was a good thing. You know, that was a smart moment and good for her. It is going to make it tougher on her now that... Sam and Dean do have one of the books back, but she still has the other one. So, yeah, I thought that was a that was a good smart moment. 
Um, I like that too, and I like I just like in general that Rowena's smart. I really, mm-hmm. I really, I really enjoy that she's a really witty, smart, mm-hmm. devious character, which we haven't really had in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed her as a blonde too. I got a kick out of her dress. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I loved I loved Dean with the Hawaiian shirt and the straw hat as a taxi driver. Just because it wasn't a suit as a fed, I'm like I'm I'm I miss the old days when they used to go undercover as different things, you know, like uh, maintenance guys or security or whatever, different kind of security guards. And so I, I enjoyed Well, that. and we had talked yeah, about that not too for... long ago, how we were kind of bored of the suits mm-hmm. and we missed, like, the the blue-collar, yeah. the more blue-collar type of things. So that was mm-hmm. so fun to come back. And, and I have to say, oddly enough, my two there were two random favorite things I liked in this episode. One was that the witch that they're interrogating – she had a Marc Jacobs contour and highlight palette that I have, and I don't know why, but that makes me really happy. And you're like the only uh, person that would know that, Jenny. <laughs> I, like, oh, I recognize it. <laughs> the, the, big, the big contact she has is the Marc Jacobs highlight and contour palette exclusively at Sephora. I do not work for Sephora. Um, and I really, but I don't know who the maker, who the designer is of, the, of what the next thing I want to say. Rowena's coat when she's wearing the blonde wig, that coat, ugh, my kingdom for that mm. coat. Pure wig. And, and um, the, the witch with the Mark Jacobs contour ballad, <laughs> um, I liked her outfit too. She did look very much like a, like a socialite lady who lunches, you know, with her little pearl thing. Oh, the the pearl collar, uh, the necklaces of collars, those are so two years ago. It was really weird. It was very disconcerting to be very out of trend. But, you know, <laughs> it looks cute on her, so I'll give her that. Yeah. Well, she did say she was nobody and, <laughs> you know, and all that. So maybe she's just a little bit yeah. behind the times in her in her wardrobe. But her makeup? Yeah. Obviously, Mark Jacobs is doing well. Her makeup <laughs> game is pretty good. I want to know if the Hawaiian shirt straw hat was in the script or if that was costume design chose that or if Jensen as a director chose that because it was so directly from an Angel episode. It was exactly what Angel wore in a season one episode when he's basically in disguise. Oh, wait, yeah. No, it was season one. Yeah, season one. I was one. thinking of the Shroud of Ramon. That's different. Oh, okay, yeah. Yep, that, yep that's a different That's one. right. He uh, was and, wearing that outfit. Oh, yeah, he's, he's um, waiting at the docks. with the tri- He's going to catch this mob guy, and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a straw hat. And he looks just like that. Well, so I, was like, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, no matter who did it, I don't think it was directly derivative of that because. No, of course not. Have, but to me, that's. That's all I thought of when I saw it as a big yeah. fan. Plus, I've well, been rewatching Buffy the, recently. Yeah, there were uh, – uh, oh, my God. I just blanked on his name. Season 6, Grandpa Campbell. Both of you know the X-Files. Thank you. Uh, my brain was like, puh, 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 puh. When he was uh he was uh doing 
I guess for I guess for X Files, but he went to go visit them on set during the filming of this episode on the same day they shot the scene with the Hawaiian shirt. So right, right. There were like little videos and pictures and stuff, and so mm-hmm. it was you know it was kind of semi spoiled. But I'm assuming it was in the script given Rowena's disguise as well. But somebody should ask Jensen that tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I can't believe I'm not there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, your first oh. year, first one, and then tonight Jensen's at the concert. He says special guest. My guess would be Bob Singer. That's what I for the yeah. convention, and it's a concert. And apparently, well, technically, next they year, technically already will have Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I don't know if I'll make that one either. So. Yeah. Creation has already actually technically announced that Singer will be there. Uh, I just think, you know, Jensen doesn't keep up with what's being talked about at the con directly, so I don't think he knows that. No. <laughs> so. Uh, he's, bless his heart. <laughs> you know. it, it's, 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 it's another, uh, it's, yes, it is eye-opening, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too funny. <laughs> um, the uh, Dean, another secret's out. Dean now knows that Sam made a deal with Rowena about the mark of Cain. We didn't get too yeah, much into secrets, it, but secrets are slowly coming out, which is a good thing. Yes, it's a good thing. I mean, Big discussion about it, but I like that they kind of just moved on to oh you know secrets out oh now let's move on to this so I I like that they just moved on yeah yeah I'm glad it wasn't a big giant trauma what did you think of the scene where the angel and the demon meet up for a drink and a chat I have a couple thoughts on that one I liked okay. it it was interesting I liked hearing their you know them talking it. Reminded me a lot of the scene, you know, where Zachariah met up with a guy in the bar after he was fired. It reminded me a lot of that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, it's me, and I want to know the scene's purpose. That's where I mm-hmm. have questions about it. Is was it there because this is going to this is you know actually a very important storyline part that they're going to be talking about more in the future, or? was the episode short and they needed to add in a scene. You know, it it, it felt very wondered, much like yeah. that to me. It's either like a really important, like, like a um, predictor of the future where it, you're there, it's going to have to be angels and demons working together to beat the darkness because they talk about mm-hmm. how this is bigger. It seems to be bigger than both of them. And and right. uh, even even management was having trouble, so now it's going to be up to us little guys to work on it. So I thought, well, could be, could be, or like you said, maybe it was just a little bit of filler. But it, it but just the fact that one's an angel, one's a demon, and they're both talking about the fact that about the darkness or whatever's going on, because they didn't know what it was, but they knew it was huge because there were alarms going off everywhere, you know, and. Maybe it's a foreshadowing of they have to work together to get the darkness speed. It's going to take both of them to beat this thing. I don't know. It also reminded me of the book Good Omens, where where Crowley 
Crowley in the book, and I forgot the name of the of the of the angel, but they're they're good friends, and they meet all the time to chat and have drinks and discuss each other's business in heaven and hell. So it just reminded me of that book. The book's better than that scene. Sorry, but oh, it reminded me of it. Well, what I your thoughts, it is going to have to be. Well, I was going to say I liked it. I going back to I do assume that it's going to have to be a angels and demons having at least a, you know some kind of temporary truth or enemy of my enemy, my friend kind of thing because it goes back to you have to try to make sense of Crowley and Cash existing. They are mm. theoretically, you know, with Hannah being dead, Cash is going to have to be some kind of head of the angels in some way, I assume, and Crowley's the king of hell, so. Again, exposition episode. Um, I like the scene itself. I thought it was. I thought it was a good scene. Yeah, those two actors. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they are, but they did a great job. I, I, you know, I'd like to. You know, I hope if you know if this is how they're going, I hope we do get updates on those guys. I want to know if they survive. You know, I'm I'm actually interested mm-hmm. in those guys. I want to know what happens to them. Yeah. And I like one little small move that they had was, um, I think it was the demon or maybe it was the angel. I forget. But you know, tap the tap the glass. You know, like to pay for the other guy. You know, bring the other guy a drink. And, and I was like, see, look, they're working together, buying each other drinks. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I, think I it felt was a solid episode though overall. I felt so mm-hmm. bad for the. Um, guy demon that had to replace the nanny. Yes. Uh, oh, funny. and he had, to, he, he had to wear the apron and everything, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but I felt so bad for him because it's like he knows he's going to die. And I just felt so bad. Yeah. I thought it was uh, interesting that Crowley asked, you know, she is she is getting um, meal set of, of Beef suits that are already dead, and they didn't have to worry about somebody like soulless people running around and having to deal with them as well on top of everything else. Like, just make sure they're dead so when the soul goes, the body dies for good. You did make a point of asking that. The, the discussions that Crowley and Amara had, I thought were really interesting. You know, we kind of touched on mm-hmm. it a bit at the podcast, but like she was talking about, you know, she has all these plans of what she's going to do, and I was, I was, I would found myself rewinding them and listening to them again, just so I could, you know, hear them again. And oh, she did say she will do this, you know, and it was mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, and she's like, you know, make no mistake, uh, she was she was in control. You know, Crowley thought he was Uncle Crowley, and here he was, you know, he's got this plan in mind for her, you know, and he's treating her like a daughter and all that. But she's like, he serves her purpose at the moment. And I think he's yep. finally starting to really realize that towards the end of this, this episode. And um, now we have teenage Amara. That she was, she did not stay the young girl past this episode. I wonder when we're finally, because she, the the eight year old ish, Amara spoke to 
adult Amara, Emily Swallow in the mirror, and she says, you know, you're you're becoming me, you know, Which what I we're going to be. Okay. So I was talking about this with somebody else, so I want to, since you bring that up, um, I wanted to ask, okay, so what do you think about little Amara seeing older Amara? Like, how does that work? Yeah, that was complicated. Because remember we kind of talked about, and and I talked about with other people too, and I think we talked about it last week. The, the timeline on which adult Amara exists for Dean. Mm-hmm. That like is it a is it a is it a time travel thing for Dean? Is it like how does it work? So does she exist in the same timeline but like parallel to it in some way, or is it just like a narrative mess up? Is is like physical Amara the child? When she grows up, is she going to catch up to the adult Amara, and they're going to right. become one entity? Like she just the sort of image. Like, I wonder if the being that Amara sees, which is also the being, is also the the darkness that little Amara sees. That's big Amara and little Amara. Um, mm-hmm. Is is she like maybe not? not tangible, does she not have, like, the ability to... Hey, I'm really resisting to say this. Okay, <laughs> kind of like the first in Buffy. Because <laughs> technically, Dean hasn't touched. Like, it's very close, and they have all this tension. But old Ramara and Dean, like, she never actually touches him. He never actually touches her. And I remember, like, during season seven of Buffy, like, when you go back and you find out that the first cat like can't touch things and she's incorporeal and you catch all the moments where she's not technically like the first is not technically touching anything or no one's touching the first and so I don't know I don't know if it's just because like now I think of things that way and I'm just looking into it or if it's that but I just think it's weird that how somehow adult Amara can talk to younger Amara when like it, that technically doesn't make any sense yeah, yeah I was just I was very confused. Yeah, and she doesn't always see her when she looks in the mirror because she went away and we saw young Amara in the mirror. And I also wonder if older Amara is telling her, like, stay on track. So I wonder if Amara that's growing up is seeing the world differently than the darkness that got locked away. Hmm. And why did so, she have to go through this? She why did learning. she have to mature? Why did, she, why, why did she even have to do that? Why didn't she just show up as an adult? Exactly. Because I do think it's interesting that not just not only are they showing that she's growing up, but that she's learning. Like she's listening to Hitler's speech, and so she's learning his, the history of what she's missed. Hmm. Uh, She's reading Dante's Inferno. Right. So she's she's catching up, which I think is interesting. And I wonder if her learning about the world, and like she says, you know, she doesn't understand the point of, you know, just existing to be miserable, to suffer, and then you die. 
And so I wonder if Amara, as she's growing up, is going to see the world differently than, like, the darkness does. Mm-hmm. I hope. I hope it'll be, like, this, like, dichotomy kind of thing. But I also don't necessarily think that that'll come to fruition. That would be cool if she, by growing up, she ended up having more empathy for everybody and changed her views. That would be that would be interesting. But yeah, mm-hmm. I doubt it happened. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Um, I thought the title of this week's episode actually related pretty well to the to the episode <laughs> because we were we've been talking how those like the first two didn't necessarily connect, but this. I'm guessing refers to the original movie from 1956, which was about a little girl who was a killer. Her mother suspected her as a killer. So, I mean, I doubt it it compares on any more specific details than that, but it's obviously about a little girl who was a killer, a murderer, had a streak of evil, and this has, Damara was a young girl as a killer. So at least it relates. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, okay. linear. Yeah, so at least it, it works. <laughs> it related. I, you know, you catch it right away. Oh, yes, that was the original movie called The Bad Seed. Got it. <laughs> okay. Better than form and the place. It was, it was so bizarre to drive home the other night on Wednesday. Did you see my picture? I took up the license tag of the, of the SUV. In yes, I did. Yes. I did. It was and so the actress was like tweeting I, with you. Yes. <laughs> but it was, I mean, of all times, of all days, of all nights, the, that name, and I, I happened to pull behind that SUV on my way home with Supernatural coming on, you know, fairly shortly. And there she was, Amara. I thought she was very funny. She said, did she crash the first five cars? And that's why this was Amara. (laughs) (laughs) And and everything about the darkness, it sparked a whole conversation about, well, Amara can't drive. She's too young. And I'm like, that was just for fun, right? (laughs) You know, a little picture. That was weird, of all things. Oh, I had a question. Okay, mm-hmm. when Sam's holding the gun on Rowena and he says, you know, these are witch-killing bullets, right? Is that mm-hmm. something, have, have they mentioned witch-killing bullets before? Is it? I saw people talking about that. I took it as sarcasm. I thought it was like, you know, you're as vulnerable to bullets as everybody else is. You realize that, right? But everybody else took it really sincerely, so I don't know. I took it as sarcasm when I when the, when I okay. watched the episode. I, like I thought he did make. I, I, you know what? It was last season, and I I swear they had made he had made particular bullets that would work on Rowena, so, right? Or my do we have any proof that Rowena wouldn't be killed by normal means? No, because we'd have to shoot her. <laughs> and she's no, but I mean, like, have they ever, to my knowledge, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, um, I really only watched season 10 once through. I mean, every episode twice, but I haven't revisited it since each episode aired. So I'm not 
remotely. In a I story remember, but I don't yeah. remember. To me, I don't remember them ever saying that that she couldn't be killed by regular means. I remember them making sometimes special bullets, but I couldn't remember if it was which bullets or. They've made so many special bullets over the years, and I don't know. I, that was my other thing. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, that's so stupid!" I was like, as opposed to all the other special bullets we've had since episode one. <laughs> Really? You're going to get upset now? <laughs> Which, again, I, I think some people, and I, and I say this, and I, I can say this because I'm the same way about certain writers, that I think sometimes within fandom, people want to be mad at certain writers for certain things, and they find something that they would normally let go with another writer. But when it's a specific writer, they're like, no. And I know that I do it. Everybody knows that I don't give Robbie Thompson a pass on anything. So, And I know that there's a huge contingent of fandom that does not give uh, Buckner Lemming a pass on anything. So and there were people who didn't, who didn't give class. They don't give Carver. They don't give uh, – it just depends on – how you feel about that writer, how you feel about the character, the way they write the characters, whatever. So for me, I didn't think that it was a big deal until everybody else made it a big deal. And I was like, oh, well, as opposed um, to like a werewolf killing bullet and, you know, a bullet with a devil's trap and also salt rounds and like, okay, why why are we mad? Okay. So I actually I wasn't but the first time I the first time I heard it I thought it was sarcasm I thought he was being sarcastic. Once everybody else said it I was like oh well I guess if they're being serious and yeah because okay so I googled it and there's Bobby's witch killing spell and then the contents of the spell were put in a bottle like a potion and it was used against the witch Spencer Wallace as as well and they had Samadine planned to use the spell against. Don and Maggie Stark, which were Charisma and James Marsters, right? And mm-hmm. um, it says, once the spell hits at Spencer Wallace, engulfed witch, he turns to blood and ash. And then it says, Sam was able to create witch-killing bullets by filling the potion into hollow-tip bullets. And he said, kill it. shooting someone with the bullets would work the same as using the cocktail version, but it was never tested as he needed Rowena's help. So I, there were witch-killing bullets and she must have known about them. And that I found that on supernatural.wikia, not superwiki, wikia.com. So, so they were out there, out there. I mean, why not? Okay, so they exist. Do everything so there you go. Everyone Sorry? who was everyone Yay, was I, about my book, that, I, I mean, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, I was not a, I wasn't a, yeah. Right, right. I know, but I'm just saying. I I thought I was missing something because I and I was. So I'm glad you brought that up because I I was like I remember something like that, but I wasn't for sure. So yeah, and I genuinely yeah. thought it was sarcasm. I genuinely thought it was sarcasm the first episode. The first time I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, I genuinely thought it was just like. I mean, it's the two hundred. I remembered it. Funny, I just didn't have all the details. So yeah, well now we know. Which can we know? It's been 220 plus episodes. I can't anymore. <laughs> oh, definitely. There's definitely. so much in my brain. <laughs> I have to make room for other things. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, so. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything has a bullet. Everything has a knife or a bullet. Which, 
speaking of which, it's my my mother's pet peeve is that everybody has an angel blade now. She cannot handle that everybody has an angel blade. I'm with your mother. I can't handle it. Everybody can use one. They kill everything and everybody else. It's like, no, they're angel blades. Stop calling them angel blades, okay? If they do, if you anybody can use them. <laughs> can we call them megaswords? <laughs> and and remember back, you know, in season four and season five when only an angel could kill an angel and yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's part of her whole pet peeve because she season one through four are the are the seasons that she knows the best because after that she kind of stops. I mean, she watches every week, but she catches it on TNT every then. The seasons one through four are her like this is when the show was good. So that's the kind of stuff she can mm. recall. Aside from that, she at this point all she cares about is Crowley. Crowley's there, she's good. <laughs> Crowley's there, she's tapped out. She's she I mean, she's watching, but she could care less. Uh, so I mean, she's been happy for two episodes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she she really gets irritated that everybody has an angel blade. Everybody can kill everybody with an angel blade. And anybody can kill an angel as long as you have an angel blade. Oh, I'm right mm-hmm. there with you. I'm, yeah. I am with and your mom. Because everybody has their little pedantic things, and I'm like, you know, I really, I didn't, I did, it didn't annoy me until she until she points out. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is annoying. But then I have things that annoy me that she's like, get over it. Like, Cass having a shock blanket <laughs> in this episode drove me up the wall. <laughs> Why Cass does he have what? a shock like a shock blanket? He can't go into shock. He's an angel. He's not cold. He's not in shock. Why does he have a blanket? I don't understand. I don't know. I uh, know. It's like, you know, wrap a blanket around a guy. It's a universal symbol that he's not feeling well. You know, and, and it's like, <laughs> like you're just, not sick. You're cursed. I you're know. Angry. I know. I was the same way. I was like, it, it's stupid. It, he he doesn't have the flu. He doesn't need the blanket. <laughs> he's not in shock, and he's not like, why do you why do you have a blanket? I don't understand. Super confused. Yep. So I, I get I get pedantic about things like that, and she's she's like, yes, yes, but angel blade. I'm like, I know, I know, angel blade. Mm. But yes, yeah, like, like so we stop calling it. Yes. Well, yeah. and then, um, you know, and the then it turned out to be like, well, no, the cult. To call the cult, the cult that can kill anything except when it can't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so. Well, and the, but here we have the angel blade and Ruby's knife. The only thing Ruby's knife can't kill are is angels that we've seen so far. But mm-hmm. angel blade literally kill anything so far. I'm like, oh, this is obnoxious. Yeah, time to time to get rid of them. The angels realize they're just not useful. <laughs> and I have a quick question. At the end, mm-hmm. when uh, Rowena cured Castiel and then she escaped, was she wearing the handcuffs? Did she magic her way out of the handcuffs? I don't think she had the hand and the handcuffs because I didn't Sam have to take her out of them so she could do the spell. Think, That's what uh, I was wondering. Did she have them when she did the spell? I don't think she had them when she did the spell. Because I, I need to pay attention again because I was like, could she have escaped at any time? You know, were those cuffs? Well, no, because she had a gun with a witch-killing bullet. <laughs> right, but she still escaped, even with the gun with the witch-killing bullet. And 
So well, cause she saw uh, the opportunity to be able to magic, magic it, but I guess she didn't trust that she could be faster than Sam's trigger finger until until everyone was until everyone was distracted. But let me see, because I'm actually yeah, she doesn't have them on when she's doing the spell. Okay, good, thank you. They're not on. That was that was bothering me because I was like, did she? You know, it's really hard it's to tell like, because it's a really quick shot of her moving her arms down. But it is it is shown that she's her hands are free. Because I was wondering if she weren't if if she was still if she was able to get out of it the whole time, why did she wait just to you know cure Cassie on then leave? And so yeah, I was very confused. I'm glad you yeah. When they zoom home. in, when they zoom in, because. Jensen Ackles comes from the Bob Singer School of Directing. A lot of epic zooms in this episode, Ackles, uh, which I don't mind mm. because Bob, Bob Singer is one of my favorite directors. So it's not a it's not a dig; it's actually kind of a compliment. But um, yeah, when Sam walks in with Rowena, it's a tight zoom. I have a full shot of her. It zooms in, and within that full shot, you can see that her her arms are free. Talking about epic zooms, I love the. First one when she first says Mega Coven at the beginning, epic zoom in on her when she says Mega Coven. Like, I love that. There's like four <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> and I think I think three of them are Rowena. And I'm like, oh, this is just gonna zoom on Rowena's face, and I'm not mad at it. I'm with you, Ackles. Zoom in on Rowena whenever you want. I love her. I'm still so I love her. Me too. I'm uh, still so fascinated by her eye makeup. It's just always so beautiful. It's Sabrina, right? Sabrina. Yeah, and she's yep. got a she's yep. got a great eye shape to be able to do those kind of looks on because you can't do that on everybody's eye shape. So that also goes to show Sabrina's talent because again, you not every eye shape eye shape can take every makeup look. So the fact that she tailored something so very specifically to Ruth's eye shape is fantastic and that it's become so iconic in such a short amount of time. Mm. Um before I forget, because I keep forgetting, and you know every director does this, but uh, Jensen's we tend to be able to pick out better. So uh, he did Little Levi's last year. This year, uh, when you see Sam's laptop, it is Cafe Elta, which is Danielle's uh, first name. So there's there's her shout out for the episode. Uh, and um. There was something else that he did in this episode. No, I can't think about it. I can't think of it. There was something else. I'm going to write it down. Uh, it might come to me. But, yeah, because I made a note about the Zooms and Cafe Elta. The, um, and the first three witches at the beginning, um, the one over on the right with the long black hair, she was um, in Crossroad Blues, that actor was. She was the doctor um, who was the victim of the hellhounds in the hotel room. I didn't even recognize her. No. So I was like, oh, good to see you again. You you went from hellhound victim to witch. I did not recognize her. Neither. But then I'm, I'm not good at that game. I'm the person that's really good for Supernatural that they recycle actors because I'm not going to notice. Becky, on the other hand, she's got 12 number. You're not getting one past. 
Because I used to do it with X-Files, so, you know. Oh, that Canadian <laughs> acting pool. <laughs> um, I don't think there's much more to say about the episode. Like I said, for me, it was solid exposition. Like I said, I favorite moments. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was it was good. Had some good moments. Um, yeah, it, it, it was, yeah for me, it's one of those episodes that in fandom, it's going to depend on. It's going to more depend on how you feel about a writer versus how you feel about the content on how you feel about this episode. Mm. Overall, from overall for me, it was a myth, but I really, really loved the Rowena scenes and the Crowley and Amara scenes. Mm-hmm. For me, of the first of the first three episodes we've gotten, it falls second place for me. Um, I liked I liked last week's better in retrospect. Still don't like it. Um, I guess I actually put this one high as number one because I really didn't like one or two. Mm. Okay, then basically not super into how the season's opening up. There's a few things that are intriguing me, but I'm not quite feeling it yet. Well, I'm beyond excited for next week's episode. Beyond excited. I can't wait. I'm uh, very excited I know for you're it, not, too. I know you don't feel the same, but I'm I'm so super excited because she's my third no, favorite and I character just after and- Sam and Dean. Yeah, luckily, luckily for everyone who doesn't like my opinions on things, I likely will not be on the podcast next week because I'm moving. So I'm moving Friday and Saturday, so the odds of me being able to squeeze this in, no matter which day we do it, are fairly slim. So there's like a eighty-five percent chance that I will not be on the episode on the podcast. So you all can feel free to love the episode that I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like. So well, it'll be one of those podcasts yeah, where Susan balance. and I, yeah, Susan I, I and I, know. when it's just us and we like it, we're like, yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's like if we don't have another opinion, it's two hours of us going, yeah, we love that. Didn't you love that? We love that moment. It's like, <laughs> you're like, shut up. And again, so, and it, you know, goes, it, actually it goes back to, somebody to say, no, I didn't like it. Well, and I mean, like I said, it goes back to you have to, it, it's not you have to, but you have to understand that some people have, a tick about certain writers writing styles that you'll you'll see a line or you'll hear a line and you're like, Ugh, I know why you did that. Um, like my mother. My mother has no concept of who the writers are. But like I've said before, every time she gets annoyed about something and she'll turn to me and she'll go and she'll, she'll be like she'll say it and I'm like, Guess who wrote this episode? And I always Robbie, always it never fails. <laughs> And it's such it's such a it's such a mixture of sadness and vindication for me. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be irritated in his episodes. I don't. I want to love my show from eyeballs to entrails. I don't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's him. And it's, Robbie Robbie, if you're listening, you know I would tell you to your face. You know I would. Because <laughs> I have. I you know I have. <laughs> Um, but I, talking about pod, I, I, the week, the weekend of November sixth and seventh, which is two weeks from today, um, there will be no podcast that weekend because I'm going to a convention and Susan's going out of town, 
So unless Vinny wants to come on and talk about that week's episode yep. by herself. <laughs> which episode, wait, which episode is that? Which episode is that? Show. Um, that's episode thin, thin, thin Lizzie. Thin Lizzie is the name, I believe. Oh, you know what? I if 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 my speculation is correct, that actually works. We can do Thin Lizzie and the next episode together. Oh, if my specu- if my speculation is correct. And I might be wrong, but I'm assuming our podcast next week is on Friday night because Saturday night is Halloween and everybody will have Halloween plans, trick or treating, etc. Or am I wrong? Uh, let's see. What's my work schedule? And you schedule? don't have to answer Friday? because you may not have decided that yet. So that's fine. Yeah, I, it, it, if it's okay with you guys, Halloween night it would be better for me because I work late Friday night. So, like I said, both night both nights for me are a maybe maybe not. Just depends on we're moving out of where we are on Friday and into where we are on Friday slash Saturday. Plus, my aunt throws this like amazing decoration, give out candy, Halloween thing. And it's like a really big deal. And so we might do that. But again, no one's going to miss me (laughs) next week. (laughs) So (laughs) it'll be fine. (laughs) Uh I'm sure on the surface it will be a great episode on the surface. Well... (laughs) We'll see. If I I like it, I'll make time. If I like it, I'll make time because if I like it, I'm more than willing to admit that I liked it. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm hoping I I like it as much as I'm. I I think I'm going to. Like I said, it's just she's baby is my third favorite character. From if I ship any anyone on this show, it's Dean and the card. You know, oh, it's not the character. It's not the character. It's it's. I, I'm afraid of what the, I'm afraid of what will be done. I've been burnt once by an amulet. <laughs> he yeah. me once with another favorite character, and I don't I mean, trust I, him with another favorite character. <laughs> I know. I, I, mean, I, I love her. I love her so, and it's like I, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure like Shakespeare would do her justice. You know, that's how much I, I love that car so much. So <laughs> we'll I don't see. think the episode is going to be, to be honest, from what I uh, what I'm guessing. I don't actually think the episode's going to be very much about the car. So we'll see. I have um, real quick before we go. I want to our, our auctions are winding down. They're ending tomorrow and Monday. Um, most of them in tomorrow and a few of them in Monday. So these are our last options for Team Levi. So go check them out. We have some amazing things right now. The links are on our Twitter and on our Facebook page and on our website. We've got a ton of stuff autographed by Jared and Jensen just for our auctions, including uh, – hold on real quick before I forget. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry. She's going to tell you about a journal – and my fault, I did not take a picture of the back of that journal. The back of that journal is also signed by Aldrich Chow. So, go ahead. Uh, I keep forgetting. So, I need to add that information on the in the yes, auction I keep forgetting there. Yes, that. And it's okay. already passed away because, again, moving. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we've got a, um, some amazing artwork autographed by the guys. Uh, uh, Best of Kansas CD that Kansas donated to us, autographed by Jared and Jensen. Um, just some really, really amazing things. So go check them out. They're at 
really reasonable prices right now too. So, and then you can also just donate directly to Team Levi. The link is in all of our auctions and on our website. And we also have a shirt that you can purchase, and proceeds go to Team Levi. Okay. Uh, any anything else about the episode? Anything else we need to announce, et cetera? I think we've covered everything, including scheduling for the next couple of weeks. We want to give a big thank you to Jim Beaver and Julie McNiven. They were awesome. Yes. Oh my goodness. And yes. go donate to Eternity. Donate to Eternity. Yep. Again, their Twitter at Eternity TV show and that will that will give you the links to their Indiegogo uh campaign which has about three weeks left. So it sounds like it could be uh a lot of fun this show. We wish them all success. Uh donate if you can. If you can't uh please tweet about it or support it. Do Facebook thing uh, um whatever you can. And that it? Are we good? That's it. That's, that's it. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Here come the boys. There we go. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.